Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Now I want a peanut butter sandwich. Has anybody been watching the series, The Chosen? Anybody? All right. Your homework is to go home and watch the series, The Chosen. Um, it's available online for free. It's not on Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or 10,000 other services out there. It's just available for free. You just type in The Chosen on your browser and you can watch it. They've done season one and season two. Season two just ended. I haven't watched season two yet, so I don't know. I've only watched season one. But The Chosen is about Jesus and his ministry here on earth. And season one kind of started where he's kind of meeting the disciples and calling the disciples together and went through the very early part of his ministry. And um, I don't know what season two is about yet. Haven't, haven't gotten that far. It just ended, so now I can binge watch it. Any other binge watchers out there? A few of you, some of the rest of you are just too, too ashamed to admit it, right? So, but it, it's a really good series um, because, you know, the Bible is not a minute by minute exact detail of what happened, right? And so there's room for interpretation, what might have happened. And, and this is a possible way that it, it might have happened. Uh, it's very well done. It's all done by crowdfunding. So, you know, um, you can donate because they're raising funds right now to make season three. Um, but it, it's a really good series, and I've really enjoyed it. And some of you may be wondering, why am I talking about The Chosen when we're getting ready to talk about the book of Matthew? Because when I was watching The Chosen, and they're de depicting the different disciples, I didn't like the way they depicted Matthew at first. I'm trying not to give away too much here. But um, what do we know about Matthew? He was a tax collector, right? What kind of personality, what kind of character traits would you have to have to be a tax collector? Stern? Good in math, right? Good with numbers, very precise, good, good to take care of stuff, write things down. Those are the people you made fun of in high school, isn't it? Right? Well, we, we sometimes we picked on the, the nerds and the geeks a little bit. And Matthew kind of comes off in this series a little bit like that. He's got some social skills, maybe, without giving away too much. There's one scene that I really kind of made me chuckle where Matthew gets into a bit of a mess, and there's a Roman guard that guards his tax station, little shack where he collects the taxes, that kind of works with him. And they get into this kind of big mess. And Matthew at one point says to the guard, well, how do you think I survive the rest of the day when you're not around? And the guard looks at him and goes, I have no idea. <laughs> right? Because Matthews, he's, he, he's, he's, a, he's a little bit out there with social skills. And at first I didn't like that, but that might very well have been true. You know, we don't know for sure. 
But um, it, it's an interesting way to look at it and think about the story. Uh, and I've always loved the book of Matthew. And this year, when we were doing our New Testament readings, I hope you've been following along with us, and we read the book of Matthew. I enjoyed it so much. And when Pastor and I were talking about what could we do for the next series, I quickly suggested the book of Matthew. And then as we tossed around ideas and how to do it, we kind of came up with this way of, you know, we don't want to just talk about the details, because we do that a lot. If I say, you know, let's talk about this parable from Jesus, Open your books to Matthew, whatever, and we're going to look at this parable. Will you guys all say, oh, I know that story. I've heard that parable. If I say, you know, let's talk about when Jesus healed the ten lepers. Yeah, I've heard that story. Well, let's talk about when Jesus did this, when he fed the 5,000. Yeah, I know that story. So we're not going to talk about those in this series too much. What we're looking at are the themes that are kind of overarching all this and how all this stuff fits together and works together. Because we don't often talk about that. We talk about the details, and that's fine. It's okay to talk about the details and get down into the nitty-gritty and, you know, this word in Greek meant this or that. You know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're not going to be doing a lot of that in this series. We're backing up and looking at the whole picture, right? You guys have heard the old saying, I, I don't want to miss the forest, but all the trees are in the way, right? We're not looking at trees, we're looking at the forest, okay? So that's what we're going to try and do here. And, and I've got a, a trouble this morning because I have this much stuff to tell you and this much time. So I hope you all brought snacks. We'll be here a while. Um, you know, um, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit about an intro of Matthew, kind of some things we know and don't know about the book of Matthew. And then I want to talk a little bit about what you see there in the title, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. This was really important to Matthew, and um, we're, we're going to spend some time on that this morning real quick. Um, you know, if you go out to the Google machine on the interwebs and you Google Matthew overview or Matthew summary or introduction to Matthew, you will find all kinds of ways that people have organized the book of Matthew. Some are very detailed, and there's lots of detail, and it's this and it's this. Others chunk it up into bigger chunks. There's just lots of different ways of doing that. I found one overview of the book of Matthew that I think was longer than the book of Matthew. Um, so there's just lots of ways to do this, and um, we're not going to be able to cover all those, obviously, um, but I want to show you how we are going to break it down, because a lot of people break it down chronologically. You know, chapter one's about this, chapter two's about this, chapter three. We're not doing that because we're talking about big themes. So this is how we're going to break it down. Uh, this week, we're talking about uh, Jesus. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Uh, Jesus, the anointed one, the kingdom of heaven, very, very important. Um, discipleship, following in Jesus' footsteps. Um, this kind of deals with some of the ethical implications of uh, following the gospel. Then there's the easy path versus the hard path. It's kind of the battle of the kingdom of heaven against evil. Um, Jesus' is salvation for all, because um, we start adding the Gentiles. It's not just for the Jews. Um, 
Have no fear, Jesus is coming. This is kind of eschatology stuff. Well, that's a $5 word, right? Eschatology. Kind of deals with life, death, what happens after we die, that, that kind of stuff, eschatology. And then um, we end with Jesus's kind of his life and his death, resurrection, communion, some of those things. So um, these are the big themes we're going to be talking about. And hopefully um, you guys will enjoy this. And as we go through this series, please let Pastor or myself know if you're enjoying this, because we may do more series kind of like this. I mean, there's 66 books in the Bible that could keep us busy for a while. But um, we'll you know, see, see how this goes and if you enjoy this. So let's start out with some of the things we know and don't know about the book of Matthew. Number one, the book of Matthew is probably written by Matthew. We don't really 100% know for sure. Because like when Paul wrote some of his stuff, he goes, hey, this is Paul. I'm writing to you from jail. Hope you guys are doing fine. We know who it's from. Nobody signed the book of Matthew. At no point does he say, hey, this is Matthew, and I'm writing down my memoirs. That doesn't happen. Okay? We know that it was written by somebody who's very precise, who organized the book in a very special way. We'll get into more of that in a minute. Um, who was very much into numbers. He, he refers to numbers a lot. We know it was written by a Jew or somebody very well steeped in Jewish tradition and knowledge. Matthew checks all those boxes. But the thing that we know most of all is the very early Christians said that it was the book of Matthew. And they were closer to it than we are. Um, so, most people believe that the book was probably written by Matthew. But again, if you're out on those Google interwebs, you might find somebody that says, well, you know, we don't know that for sure. And we probably don't, but we're pretty sure it was written by Matthew. The second thing we don't know is when it was written. It was probably written before 70 AD. Does anybody remember what the importance of 70 AD is? That's right, the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, okay? And a lot of stuff in the New Testament is dated pre that or post that. And we believe that Matthew was probably written before that. Um, the book of Mark was probably written first. And I personally believe that Matthew might have been the first person to go, brilliant, I'm going to do that too, <laughs> and wrote down his stuff. The disciples were getting older they're beginning to wonder, how does this carry on after we're not here? How, how, where, where does this go? And so they started writing down what they had seen and heard. Okay? We believe it was written before 70 AD. Again, if you're on Google, there's some people out there that say it happened after that. And the reason for that is because Matthew describes what Jesus describes, the fall of the temple, and he de declares it so perfectly they say that had to have been written after that, because that's the only way you could have known that. Because there's people out there that don't really believe in prophecy. Okay, We tend to believe in the gift of prophecy. We believe that this was probably written before that. Um, and so um, that, that's one of the things um, that you should know um, when, when you're looking at this. But most scholars believe it was probably written before 70 AD. 
Who was it written for? The book of Matthew is most definitely written for the Jews. It is steeped in Jewish tradition. It, it talks a lot about Jewish stuff. It is written for Jews. And I don't know, maybe that's why I like it so much, because the book is written by a believer for believers, right? And that, that defines me. I'm a believer, I, and the book was written for believers. And so it really speaks to me a lot when we, when we do it. One of the things we know is that the book of Matthew mentions the kingdom of heaven over 30 times. Now, when you think about it, is it the kingdom of heaven? Does heaven own the kingdom? Whose kingdom is it? It's God's kingdom, right? It should be the kingdom of God. But Matthew says the kingdom of heaven over 30 times. Why? Because Jewish people didn't like to say or speak the name of God. It was too holy. Right? And they would go through all kinds of convolutions to avoid saying or writing God's name. And so Matthew says, the kingdom of heaven very distinctly is written for a Jewish audience. Okay? Um, it, it spends a lot of time talking about fulfillment of prophecies and these kinds of things, things that would have been very, very important to Jews. And that was that's kind of the purpose of the book. The, the book of Matthew is not written in a chronological order of the life of Jesus. It's not, he was born, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then, you know, the whole crucifixion and resurrection, and ta-da, we're done. That's not how the book is arranged. It's arranged with a very specific purpose. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but he's talking about fulfilling prophecies and going forward. And there's a couple very specific aims that the book of Matthew has. Number one, it wants to present Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Jews are looking for a Messiah. We know that there were false people coming up and people claiming to be the Messiah. And Matthew wants very desperately to show that Jesus was the Messiah. He fulfilled everything. Number two, he wants to harmonize Jesus' teachings with the Old Testament. You know, Jesus said some things, especially later in his ministry, that were difficult. And the Bible says people quit following him when he said that. Because it was hard. And they didn't want to do that. And so Matthew spends a fair amount of time trying to show that Jesus' teachings are in harmony with the Old Testament. That these go together. They work together. It's okay. He wants to elevate Jesus' teachings. Right? They had the book of Moses, and Moses was very important in the law. And Matthew goes out of his way to show that Jesus is the lawgiver. Okay? Very important. The last thing is that he wanted to show that Jesus is the king of the Jews and the savior of the Gentiles. Okay? And, and if when you realize this and you look through the Bible, you see this more and more as you read the book of, of Matthew. Um, as I talked about earlier, there's, there's lots of different ways people have arranged the book. Um, and this is one way that's 
popular. A lot of people use this particular breakdown. I didn't come up with this. This is not mine. Somebody else did this, but it's beautiful. For all those of you who like things in boxes, this, this is just going to tickle your fancy. There's the book of Matthew. And I know that's probably an eye chart and you can't read that, but let me quickly tell you what that says. So on the black part there, it talks about Matthew, who he was, his aims. The orange box is kind of a prologue of Jesus as the Messiah. He's like the King David. Um, he's like Moses. Um, he goes through 45 or 47 generations showing Jesus' lineage. I, I don't even know 47 generations of my lineage, let alone anybody else's, right? He was like David. He's like Moses. Then in the middle, there's this five narratives or teachings. We're going to come back to that. And then at the end, there's this climax of the new covenant, um, Jesus' uh, crucifixion, and he rises again in the Great Commission. The book is organized very particularly. And maybe that's why it speaks to me. I don't know. I, I never even realized this until I started studying for this series. But when you read Matthew... It's like when you read a good story, a good storybook, right? And it just draws you in. You want to know what happens next, right? And, and you're just on the edge of your seat. You ever heard somebody tell a story and you're like, oh man, please let this story be over. I don't know what this guy's talking about anymore, you know, right? That's not how Matthew's arranged. It's got a very specific flow and a very specific thing. If we look at those five narratives, that's probably still pretty hard to read. But um, number one, the narrative there is that we see God endorses Jesus, Satan tempts Jesus, people follow Jesus, and then we get the Sermon on the Mount. So that's kind of narrative one. Narrative two, there's a series of three, um, three parables, three parables, three parables. And in between those parables, he talks about discipleship, and then Jesus sends out the twelve. The third narrative is people start confronting Jesus, and Jesus rebukes that opposition, and then Jesus and the disciples withdraw a little bit, and then we get some of these parables about the kingdom. The fourth um, narrative talks about faith, uh, Peter's revelation and blessing, more about faith, and then we talk about the greatness in the kingdom. And then the fifth uh, narrative is some power struggles within the disciples. Some hypocrites confront Jesus. Um, and then there's the judgment in the coming kingdom. So we've got this very nice arrangement of the book that when you read it, it makes sense. It's logically arranged to draw you to conclusions. It's not just this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. That's important to know. Um, we don't talk about that a lot. But I think it's that precision that makes reading Matthew really enjoyable, even when you don't know all this. Right? You ever, like I said, you ever watched a good movie and you said, man, I just liked it. That was a that was a good story. It was a good movie. It was enjoyable. And then if you go read like a critic's review of something, you know, they talk about, oh man, how they built the character and they did this. And then there was a plot twist and then they did this. And you're like, I didn't even think about any of that stuff. I just enjoyed it, right? That's the way Matthew is. You may not know how it's arranged and why it's arranged. It's just a very enjoyable telling of Jesus's ministry. And it helps us make 
um, come to these conclusions that were important to Matthew. Now, in our few minutes remaining here, I want to talk about some of the prophecies that Matthew was concerned about. And I wanted to stand up here and say, you know, Matthew addressed 20 or 30 or 40 prophecies, and there it is. It just, but even that's difficult to do because we don't all agree what's a prophecy in the Old Testament. Okay? Some things we think about are prophecies are very clearly. Some things maybe not. And so there's disagreement amongst all the writers out there on, on the interwebs about that. But, you know, in my highly unscientific study of this, I'd say that most people come in right around that 20 mark, maybe a few under, maybe a few over, of, of prophecies that Matthew addressed from the Old Testament and said, these are what Jesus fulfilled. We're going to go through those kind of quick, and we, I don't have them all in your sermon notes, but in your sermon notes, there is a link to where you can go and look those up if you want to, okay? And we're going to stop on two of these, because two of them are going to help us make the point of, of what I'm talking about here. So when we look at some of these prophecies, first one we know, I think everybody probably on the planet knows this from the Christmas story, that Jesus is born of a virgin, Right? Matthew shows that that comes from Isaiah. Um, we all know and believe that. Second one is that he was born in Bethlehem, um, in Micah. Now this third one I want to talk about for a minute, because it says he came out of Egypt, okay? Now if we look at what Hosea 11.1 1 says, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And some people say, that's not a prophecy about the Messiah. What that is, is Jesus, or God, through the prophet Hosea, talking to the people and reminding them of the Exodus. Remember, I called Israel out of Egypt. And it's a history lesson. It's a reminder. And so some people say, that's not a prophecy. doesn't count. Okay, but I think it does, okay? Because there's a kind of prophecy that we use that's kind of, sometimes it's called a picture prophecy. It helps us paint a picture and understand it. It's more typically called a type prophecy. Not type like a font or typing, but you know, it's a type, like it's a type of a chair. It's a type prophecy, sometimes called typology, okay? And this is a, a prophecy. It's, it's, I guess I would have used the word metaphor, but, you know, they didn't ask me when they came up with all this. So, um, you know, they used something else. But it, it's, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like an, an analogy or a metaphor. And it says, look, God called Israel out of Egypt, and he called him his son, and Jesus came out of Egypt, and he calls him his son. They're kind of the same, okay? And it helps us understand. But that's why we have a hard time saying there's exactly this many prophecies, because different people kind of interpret these differently. And I just, I want to expose you to that. So when you go out on the Google webs, um, you know, you're not surprised when you come across this stuff, Okay. Some of the other prophecies, that his birth would cause grief and the death of the children. Of course, we know that Herod tried to kill all the children when he was born. Um, he was announced by a forerunner, John the Baptist. 
Um, he would minister in Galilee, that he would bring healing, that he would be announced by a forerunner again, this time from um, Malachi, that he would bring hope to the Gentiles. It wasn't just the Jews. Many would not understand his teachings, right? And we see that when people said, man, what that, that's too hard. Or we don't understand those parables. That he would speak in parables. That he would be opposed by the hypocrites. That he would arrive riding a donkey. That he would be rejected by some to their own undoing. That uh, he was recognized by David as Lord. That's an interesting one we're not going to go in today, but that's, that's a fun one. Followers would scatter at his death. We saw that happen. That he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. That lots would be cast to divide his clothes. All right? So all those prophecies we see were, were, um, were true. And Matthew goes through and quotes all those Old Testament prophecies because these are things that the Jews would have known. They would be familiar with this. They read them every Sabbath in the temple. And they would know all those things. And they would be wanting the Messiah to fulfill all those prophecies. And Matthew spends a lot of time on it. Now, some of the other um, Gospels do as well. But Matthew in particular really spends a lot of time on it. Now, one of the ones that I find really interesting is Matthew 2.23. And Matthew 2.23, you see, I've got it there. It says, And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, and so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Where is that exactly in the Old Testament? I'll give you a few minutes to think. Nobody's ever been able to find it. So if you can't remember it, good on you. Okay. Because we can't find it. We don't know, why does Matthew say this, and we can't, there, there's no prophecy that says that, okay? Now, there's, there's a couple possibilities here. One is that the word Nazarene would have been written NZR in probably the original language. So uh, Nazarene, NZR which would also look very much like the word Nestor in ZR that would mean a branch or a sprout, okay? And we know that Jesus, you know, is a branch. He was a sprout. He was, grew up. And so th there's that. that that's, that's a reasonable one. Um, that's not my personal favorite one, um, that he was sprouting up from a secure, uh, obscure village in Galilee. The second one is that maybe Matthew is citing a prophecy in the Old Testament um, that we don't have anymore. Remember, what we call the Old Testament is not finalized until like the fourth century, right? Well, well after all this happens. And maybe there was something that used to be there that we don't have anymore, most scholars don't believe that because if there was some prophecy about Jesus in it, they would have kept it, 
right? That kind of makes sense, you know? Um, so that one doesn't hold a, a lot of, of um, uh, weight, I guess. But, but the one that I kind of like is that, you know, Nazareth is in reference to being despised and rejected. We know that people didn't like folks from Galilee and Nazareth in particular. Can any good come from Nazareth, right? And it was a slight to be called from Nazareth or a Nazarene was a put down. It was a way to, you know, to get at somebody, right? And in fact, there's spots in the world today where Muslims call Christians Nazarenes because it's a put down. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth, okay? And from that, I think, is probably where this really comes from. That's the best, salute, the best answer for me. Jesus identifies himself as Jesus from Nazareth, okay? Um, when he's on his encounter with Saul. And um, it just is a way that we probably um, would be what Matthew was thinking about here. We don't know for sure. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. You know, we think we know everything. We don't. By the way, I saw a great little joke the other day. You know, we think about how smart we are. The current generation always thinks it's smarter than all the generations before it, right? You know, when I was younger, you got a manual for your car. It told you how to adjust the valves and make the engine run. Now your manual tells you not to drink the contents of the battery. I don't think we've gotten smarter, okay? So, you know, there, there's stuff maybe that, that, that we don't always know, right? But that, that could be where that's coming from, from that. So, you know, I just hope that you will enjoy this, this series of Matthew as we're going through. We've just done a brief overview today to kind of get us started. We've got about seven or eight more weeks coming up um, Pastor will be back next week. Uh, he's off. The conference is holding some meetings um, in Arizona. He's out there, but he'll be back <clears throat> in about the middle of the week, and uh, he'll be here next Sabbath with us. But we'll be continue talking about this. What are the themes of Matthew? What's he talking about? Why is some of this stuff important? Okay. So I hope you hope you enjoy this. I hope you found this interesting, useful. You know, I've still got a whole lot more stuff we could talk about if you all want to stay, but I know it's a little bit past lunchtime here, so I don't want to make you late to, you know, wherever you go for lunch. All right? So, um, but really looking forward to this. It's, it's very um, insightful sometimes to stop and, and think about the big picture. What does this mean? Why is this here? Why is it important? And one of the things I want to remind you of is the things that we know in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James in particular, they wrote down the things not that they believed, but that they saw and heard. It's a first-person account of what they saw and heard. And that's why we can have faith in what happens here. 
and what's going on and what this means, you know, and, and, and the things that go on. And we, we talk about this a little bit. Sometimes there's a little bit different details in the different gospels. Because if, you, if you're married, you know that you and your spouse disagree about certain stories, right? Linda and I always joke about one of our first uh, times together and she and I have very different recollections of what happened and now it's a game to see how far apart we can make those two stories go and still, still be the same. But you know, it's, it's just the way it is, okay? But the contents, the meat of it is the same and it's there, okay? Um, so it's, 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 it's be a good stuff. I hope you enjoy this as, as we go through this and, and maybe talk about some of the things we don't talk about so much in the book of Matthew and help our faith grow and develop. Hope you'll join us for this series. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we start out this epic journey through the book of Matthew and the things that, that he has to say to us and why they're important and why they matter, Lord. Help us to understand what's going on, to, to be able to put the, the big picture together, to be able to see the whole forest, Lord, so that we can have our faith be sure and people can't trip us up and say, well, what about this? Yeah, I, I know about that. What about this? I know about that. We want to have our faith set on solid rock, Lord. We ask that you be with us now in this upcoming week, that you guide us, that you keep us safe, Lord, and that you bring us back again next week. In Jesus' name, amen.